It's all screwed up out there, man. But you don't need me to tell you that. You already know. Welcome to Deep Americana. Hello, I'm Ray Carney. Today I'll be interviewing Desiree about uh, a little bit of life in the sex acts work and industry. Desiree, uh, so tell me about your life. Well, I'm Desiree. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm 21. I'm a Capricorn, (laughs) and I work as a dominatrix as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. What is that like? Um, How did you, hold on, let's, 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 how did you come to that, if you don't mind talking about it? So, I first got into sex work, um, I was 18, I just moved to Denver from this tiny island, and, um. I was sitting at Cheeseman Park, smoking a blunt, (laughs) and this guy comes up to me, and we start talking, and um, he tells me that he owns this company cleaning houses in lingerie, and if I was interested. Right. So, I said yes, and went ahead and did that for a little while, cleaning houses in lingerie, and um, that guy was also running an escort business on the side. Right. And he went to jail or prison, something like that. (laughs) And so I was out of a job then. And um, at the same time that I was doing that, I was actually teaching preschool as well. So, and then um, I found another, I found a group on uh, Craigslist. There was an ad before they like banned everything. It was like right on the cusp of that before they banned all that. It was an ad for like um, hot girls that smoke weed, something like that. Very vague. Right. So I went and I met with these these people, this man and his wife, and they told me how they ran this company um, doing massages and lingerie. So I thought, okay, well, that's great. And um, I there was no happy endings involved in that, you right, know. Right. So I thought it was all good, and that is probably all I should say about that. Okay. <laughs> but and then um, through that job, when that all fell through, um, a couple of the other girls that were working with me told me about how they were starting this um, dominatrix company, and that right. it was totally legal had right. their business license license and what's and whatnot um yeah and it's here in denver cool. the name is um rocky mountain relaxation and domination cool rmrd so um <laughs> so is that experience empowering to you yeah. i mean how has that changed your life because you were you were in a p- p- profession that was yes. quite the opposite Absolutely. You know, you got to think about in the 1920s or 40s, somewhere in there, the rules for a teacher were to be female, Mm -hmm. to not only be female, but not be seen out in public with another male, right? Yeah. Just like crazy stuff. Be very like desexualized. Which is is terrible. It is, because obviously those people are human beings. You're not allowed to live your fucking life. Exactly, yeah. And I just, um, I remember even when I taught preschool that the director came to me and she's like, you have to start dressing more appropriately, you know. We've had some complaints right. from the dads, <laughs> or probably their wives. Right, right. But um, 
Yeah, this has been very empowering for me. Like, I loved teaching preschool, and um, right. it'd be cool to do something like that again with kids. Right. But um, this experience is, like, not only financially beneficial for me, right, you know, right. like, I can make my rent in a day. Right. It's very... It's probably more money than you would make teaching. And that's all... Well, that's also the problem, is that with teaching, I was making, like, 13 bucks an hour. I right. was not like able to survive and pay my bills and right. like do which my is thing, which so. is a travesty in itself because teachers should may make way more oh right? yeah it's especially preschool teachers i think because yeah. that's like yeah. the building blocks of like who you will be yeah well that's the yeah, yeah. That's, that's the point that's the building blocks of our fucking society exactly. and we don't want that's why we need we don't to, want yes. to you know we, we don't want to and that's what drives people who are really good at it like me and who love it like mm -hmm. my, like myself to work that you know, to other work where they can make money because right. while I loved it, I couldn't pay my bills and I was working my ass off, you right. know? So that was the struggle there. So, but as far as like for my mental, like for my self-confidence mm -hmm. and stuff, yeah. it's very beneficial for me to like see, I guess, how other people perceive me. Right. Maybe. Yeah. What do you mean? Um, I don't know when they like, I, I guess I present myself as like in, when I'm in there with the client, I can like be whoever I want to be. Right. And so I choose to be myself, but like the best version of myself, like right. very confident. And then I just see that like, I can bring that into my everyday life as well, you know? And it's how, I don't know, like in the beginning, I think it definitely jaded my view of men uh -huh. because because it's torn down to like this, hey, do this. Yes. Right, right, right. And that's, especially in the beginning, because I wasn't educated about, you know, how to handle these right. situations being in sex work. Right. Um, I bet. Yeah. I so bet there's a lot to know within that. There is, and there's a lot I've learned and like a lot that I could help people with for sure. I've thought about that, like starting a blog or something mm -hmm. to you help should. people. Yeah, because that, there's a lot of stuff that I wish that I would have known and that I think would have yeah. kept me. And, you know, I'm, I've am i heard, you know, you hear stories about people, like these terrible things happening to mm -hmm. sex workers and mm -hmm. stuff. And like, I've, I've never had an experience like that, but. Um, I think, I think like, you know, like, yeah, you don't, I don't hear a lot of bad experiences and there's industries like in Las Vegas mm -hmm. where it's legit there mm -hmm. and there's insurance for people and things mm -hmm. of that nature that, you know, I imagine just like a, in a factory, you know, you might hurt your hand. It's kind of a bad way to say that, but mm -hmm. something bad may happen, but it seems yeah. like for the most part they have, it's, it's a, a thing for someone to be able to do and make mm -hmm. money and, and enjoy yourself. And I think it, you know, yeah. like you're saying, it might be able to be therapeutic, right? I think it is therapeutic, yeah. like not just for for me and like right. my own mental, but for the clients and for the people that come to see me. Like these are people that, you know, maybe don't have intimacy in their own lives, right. their personal lives, right. or don't know how to be intimate with, with a woman or, right. you know, maybe they work too much, things like that. Right. So I'm able to like provide them with that that companionship and right. that like yeah i don't know how i would explain that companionship yeah like, especially with dominatrix with dominating right. like so do you like i don't you end up 
like spanking people or yes. like all sorts of stuff. That's, that's <laughs> I've amazing. done some crazy things. Yeah. There's um, ball busting is a really big fetish. Oh you know, they want you to wear your most pointy heels and no kick them as hard as you can. Some people are really into that. Is There's it? like um, humiliation. Right. That one. I, I think that's fun. Yeah. It's fun for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it does get, um, it does get pretty, uh, pretty weird. People are into some, <laughs> I can imagine. some things. Yeah. But I don't judge, you know, cause right. I'm like, and I like to provide people with that safe space to explore that sexual side of them that isn't necessarily like nurtured in our society, right. you know? So, yeah. I feel like there was more I wanted to say about that. Or well, oh, helping whatever. other people. Okay. When it comes to yeah. doming, yeah, like, so these people that have these fetishes, like, getting kicked uh -huh. in the balls, these people are, are obviously, they've been through something that, right. not always, not always, but right. Right. Uh, they've seen something, something triggered that in them. And, like, so it, I have the opportunity to, like, nurture that, you know, instead of, maybe make them feel ashamed or embarrassed right. or right. weird about it. Like, well, no, I'm like yeah, the weirder, the better. Like, right. <laughs> you're providing, that provides an outlet um, yes. for something that a lot of people don't necessarily have, which, exactly. which is probably a lot more helpful. I, I would, I would think. I think it is like my clients are, they mostly always leave happy, you know, right. like you always have the few outliers, I guess you would uh -huh. say, but as a general Oh, yeah, I'd say everyone leaves very happy and yeah, yeah, it's a crazy world out there, you know, I like to. Yeah, man, I know myself, people... I'm pretty, you know, crazy and just, just thinking about what I, I look at, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like to... what? what? <laughs> <laughs> just, just in reality, like everybody everywhere, yeah. right? What they're looking at is probably batshit crazy, but it's. I think you do need to kind of feel, be able to feel your way through things. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Especially, yeah, like with sexual, with sexual things, yeah. you know, because there's like, there's really not an outlet for that. And no, not our, our culture just has such like a, I guess. A taboo thought about a woman's body. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is so true. Yeah. Well, yeah, think it think about that. Like like it's it's pretty crazy when you when you look at that idea. Like it like from the outside it looks like you put a woman on a pedestal, but what's really happened is you said you can't do this or this. Exactly. But we can. Exactly. And it's uh it's really it's what perpetuates our fascination with shit that's taboo is having things taboo, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but exactly. it, it it is. And it's, it's just, it, you can look at like our drug problems in this country mm -hmm. and that is all fucking taboo. And most of all of the stuff we're talking about is oppressive bullshit that yeah. shouldn't be there. And that's something that, you know, why, why I do this or I make art and things of that nature is mm -hmm. because we need to strive to push past that. Yeah. You know, to push past that. Yeah, uh, we were talking earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And you said you had suffered probably some abuse, mm -hmm. right? Um, have you dealt with that to be able to, because I've suffered abuse myself and, you know, there's days you don't want to fucking breathe, yes. right? And so to get through that, what, what did you do to get through that? Well, I guess um, the abuse that happened to me was when I was really young, like six or seven. Mm -hmm. 
and I don't have any memory of it, you know, and that's, right. that's a trauma response. Your brain right. protecting you from this like overload of right emotion and yes, stress. And, yeah. Exactly. And, um, so I have no memory of what actually happened to me, but, um, I do remember, like, I do remember telling my mom when I was a kid, I remember like we were sitting in my grandmother's, um, driveway in the car and I just remember that I had like been wanting to tell her for so long and it was like, mm-hmm. bubbling up inside of me and I just like leaned over the seat and I told my mom I know what sex is and I did it with so and so and my mom like turned around and she was like what right, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah she she didn't in my opinion really know how to handle that situation of me coming to her with this information like I do know that I never saw that person again. Right. I don't know what happened. I, you know, it was kind of like a, we don't need to talk about that kind of thing. Right. So I think that was definitely damaging because I, because it just like created this idea, I guess, in my head that like, I should feel ashamed about it, that I should feel guilty about it. Right. I went through like, in my early adolescence, like feeling very guilty about sex, about wanting to have sex, about having sex, just like this inner guilt and um with that that's gone away with time and effort of just like when I get that feeling I just kind of remind myself that like I'm okay like I'm safe this is a safe feeling to have like this is a good feeling to have right right and um like I'm with someone that's making me feel safe you know like so just kind of which can, I, can be really hard to do at times, I imagine, because that shit is very. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's when it. I was younger, I was raped to the point that I had surgery, right? And so, yeah, and to, yeah. Anyways, it's, that is <laughs> extremely traumatic. Yeah, it's 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 no it's no good. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. But man. yeah, so you can sympathize. And understand. I yeah, com- completely. And then like your view on sex coming into that is completely fucking skewed. And were you young when it happened? Yeah, I don't remember it. Yes. See, you know? and it's like it. It was traumatic. It's like Whatever. I think that when it when it happens, when you're young, yeah, it's you form your whole idea of sex not basically off that experience Fuck. depending on how young you are yeah it for, it's, because because the thing that i've that learned idea, yeah. when i used to teach preschool right can yeah. i actually have one of those yeah there you go. thank you when i used to teach preschool i took this course about mm. um preventing childhood sexual assault okay and it was like so eye-opening to me because i had never talked about what happened to me before yeah before that time that i spoke to my mom you right. know I had never like, so here I am as an adult hearing these things about, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, <coughs> this explains so much. Right, and like, right, right. And like clicks, you're like, holy yes. shit. And yeah. it was all about the main thing that I, something that I gathered from it, I guess, would be that when it comes to like assaulting children, it's not a matter of like forcing them. It's a matter of convincing them okay. that it's, that it's play, you know, that it's okay. Yeah. And so... I think that's that was my case specifically and that's like I think that that's really damaging because I mean I went through phases you know in high school and well no yeah especially at those ages like you generally aren't gonna you're you're gonna think about it a a bit but you're not gonna be so deep into it that you know like you're gonna have you know I did I had memories that at a very young age that fuck with you because you're 
you know, you're like looking at a person and being able to envision that person, like your imagination's going that far because it's been pushed that far. If that makes that any is sense. so true. And, and it's, it makes so much and sense. And it, it does like give you that feeling. It, for me, I was yeah, always hypersexual. Right, like, right. Even as a child. And it's, you know, probably a product of that abuse. You know, right. I think that I probably somewhere along the line equated sex with acceptance. Right, right, and right. And so, especially in when I was in high school and I kind of like took that like, my self-esteem was solely based on other people's image of me and like right. how like, Oh, that person doesn't want me. Like I can make them want me. Right. You know? Right. 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 So, and that's just not a healthy view to have of love and of sex. No, that, no, no, that's, it's, that's, I think that's one of the worst things, especially for that to happen to a fucking child is a child should be able to hang on to that fucking innocence as long as they can, because yeah. that's going to be gone once you, appear in the real world and have to pay a bill or do something exactly you know so what what did what do you do that helped you get through that um well i'm still working on it right right. i'm in therapy okay and i um my therapist wants me to do this thing where i'm going to like basically have to sit in that trauma like go back to that place Uh in my mind and sit there and kind of work it out and then we're going to put it in the literal box because i'm going to write it all out. i'm a writer uh-huh. so i'm going to write it all okay. out and then put it in a literal box and bury it okay. there at my therapy and i don't know i don't know like how that will feel but i'm very like symbolic person i guess right. so i think that 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 will help but for me i've never gone back into that headspace every time that i do now mm-hmm. i have to bring myself out because you know, you don't want to sit in that. Well, right. In, a in lot, an unsafe environment. I, I've had um, occasions where I've had anxiety so bad that I've had a fucking seizure. This has happened a few times in my life. So like that, that headspace can be extremely dangerous, but it is something that we have to work through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is, uh, it is, a, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I think. Anxiety is, yeah, anxiety is a bitch. And that's what I live with. daily I have an anxiety disorder Um, and I think that pretty much most of most of my mental problems are like a product of not just that trauma but I think that of the trauma being ignored that too and I think that because of I think that when we are exposed to trauma at a young age Mm -hmm. things that may not traumatize someone else become very traumatizing to us become because we're oversensitized now like That makes a lot of sense. A yeah. lot of sense with that. Yeah. Yeah. Overreaction. Yeah. To I've always I've thought that, that I was, well. you know, like weird. And yeah. I remember my mom always being like, you're a basket case. Like you cannot keep your emotions together at all. Which and is not helpful. Absolutely not. But, at it, all. but it's, <laughs> it is and that's another is, thing yeah. is that my mom, my parents didn't know how to handle the mental right, right. aspects of me. Because I was going to say who, who does? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. I mean, unless you have experienced it yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a whole, like, it's, we don't even MC, understand it completely and in our sciences. In yeah, well, in our and science to it, it's just, it's like, it's, it, it's hard. I, I, uh, for a long time, really resented, like, different people, you know, from, from different experiences. And slowly, with, within this past year or two, I've been able to, forgive different things and look Mm -hmm. at it and be like, you know, how would you even understand 
instead of because I had I was pretty judgmental of them. I'm like fuck you you know you mm-hmm. were around when these things happened mm. you know what I mean yeah see and I it was hard not to hang on to that I was really taught that like I was never allowed to express anger anger right. was like shunned in my house I oh, guess wow. you could say so okay I never really learned how to handle like confrontation or right. anything like that in a healthy matter so even like even my roommate she comes in screaming and stuff and I am instantly anxious I'm shaking I I'm having a hard time breathing I right. can't think straight I'm sweating like right. and it's just and I'm like and I beat myself up because I'm like why why am I like this why right. can everyone else handle something like this but I completely break down right and then I have to like be very kind to myself in those times you know and yeah you, like, you do I you, you have know? to reassure yourself exactly and that's, that's the hard. biggest thing because <laughs> it's hard because that's I used to be so mean to myself I had such a negative narrative going on in my head about about everything but mostly about myself and right. about the way I looked and the way everything you know yeah. and um so positive self-talk has been really important and we were talking earlier about like when when you're tripping uh-huh and i noticed that like when i'm tripping i hear that positive talk so much more like i feel like i instill it when i'm not tripping and right. then when i am it comes through to my unconscious like i might be sitting there like oh shit okay i'm tripping too hard right now and then i hear it in my head yeah. like i'm okay right I'm right Right. Okay. That is that is a hell of a tool for that, actually. Yeah. Because that you, positive self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely reassure and stuff. Very you long. can pause it. Let's see. We've got a solid 20 minutes, which is good. That is good. And we should do more. We, sh- we, we should. can. We can. Well, the thing to do would be like, listen to this and like touch on other subjects as well. That's the other thing is that stuff is like open. I made podcasts for a while. I'm not some super famous podcast yeah. guy, but like. Really? Yeah, man. That shit is it's easy to do. Yeah. I'm trying to solve some editor doesn't hand me down playing how easy it is. He's pretty cool. He's someone I've known for a long time. Well, it's cool to talk to you. Talking about this shit, you don't meet people. What you were saying? Really talk. I do. Well, I do something. Well, right. See, I, I connect with, and I think that that may be like a trauma thing too. Uh-huh. It's like my ability to connect with people so easily, like from yeah. the homeless guy on the street to right. like... You know, the big I baller that I, comes I get in. like, like, I'll have, you know, people try to empathize, sympathize, and it'll be just bullshit. And I can't, I'm just like, I can't, I can't deal with bullshit, you. So. I can't deal with it. There you are know? people like that that you can't always get through. Yeah. Of course, and you just got to kind of like, yeah, okay. I can't engage. Like, right. when I'm in that state, like, I remember one time she came in, my roommate is very crazy, but she comes in screaming, throwing shit, mm-hmm. yelling, and like I was in my room and she didn't even know I was in there. And I like, it was like I wasn't even in my body. Like my body was just packing a bag. Right. I opened the door and I left. Like, right. and then I got outside and I was like, holy fuck! Like, how did I right. get out here right now? Like, my instinct is always to just go. And that actually happened to me, like first time I tried to get sober I fucking um I was like sober for three days and uh-huh. I was feeling very very anxious right, right before right. a concert okay. and um I saw this shooter like on my friend's nightstand and without even thinking I just grabbed it and right. chugged it and then I like looked at it and I was like holy fuck like this alcohol thing like 
maybe pretty bad. <laughs> it, 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 it can get you, man. I, I did it got me. tons of probably 150 to probably 150 milligrams of Oxycontin a day for about a decade and made good money off art and shit like that. But at some points, like addiction finally grabbed, and you can stay ahead of it for a long time, but it's like once you hit it, it's hard to get away from it. Did you feel me. that point, like, like have that that moment or that feeling where you're like, I know if I keep doing this, it's going to be a problem because I like it that much? I, I did, and I'll tell you when I had that point is when uh, I think I had, like, a ton of Dilata, four milligram Dilata, and, like, I'm in a grow house okay. <laughs> running the shit, and, boy, uh, it was, I think it was 4 a.m., and if you know what Dilata is, and you're snorting any of that, you know, the four is this, one of the highest milligrams you can get. And, like, to do one, you're on your, it'll slow you down. Yeah. And then, like, I've never I went done it. six in, like, five hours. And so I was slurring talking to a friend of mine. And I was like, you guys got to come out and, like, hang out with me because, you know, I'm <laughs> fucked up. I've been there on ketamine. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's, that's a little safer. Yeah, you yeah. think? Yeah, it is. I think, it, yeah, absolutely. You could die off that shit. I'm yeah, sure you, you could can. die off ketamine if you did. You can. Quite enough, but, but it's it is completely. Got to be careful this stuff. That's why I take kratom. Yeah. Because it helped. It helped me basically. I haven't had opioids in about a year. Yeah, kratom does really help with opioid addiction. I've heard. And when I first got sober. Um, well, did you know alcohol? If you drink long enough, consecutively enough, alcohol metabolizes in your blood system, just like heroin. And so a lot of it, it kind of, a lot of the same similarities. Yeah, and I can definitely, because I drank for every day for about maybe two years, just from when I came here. And, um, and that's not even a long time in the grand scheme of things, but uh, it, was, it was hard on my body. I, I remember I was throwing up bile every day. I would shake if I didn't have a drink because I was drinking a lot and I was drinking whiskey. And, um, you know, when I, when I stopped, I, when I, um, so I went to jail. I got a DUI from, uh, yeah, I was, uh, drank a bottle of Jameson and I was, on like half a gram of cocaine, half a gram of ketamine, and um, went to go buy my new car. <laughs> and my ride ditched me, so, and I was just feeling like a fuck it kind of attitude. At that point, I didn't really care if I lived or died. Right. So I took four Xanax bars and got behind the wheel. And I remember holding the steering wheel and talking to myself like, I'm okay, we can do this, we can do this. <laughs> And then cut the tape, don't remember anything. <laughs> right. I remember waking up in jail yeah. and in solitary, oh boy. knocking on the door, and I'm like, um, what happened? <laughs> Can I get some water? Right. And the guard's like, you seem completely different right now. Oh, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm coherent, so I have no idea what just happened. One, one, one time, uh, when I was younger, the first time I took a Xanax bar, I almost enlisted in the fucking military. <laughs> <laughs> I went in and took their test. Oh my and they're god! Like, they're like, okay, you know, they're like, you get your sign. I was like, no, I am too fucked up to be signing this shit. You know, just ridiculous shit. Dude, that is crazy. Well, yeah, well, it's crazy what you're telling me there. It, it's, uh, I think, a lot of us that have 
deep-rooted mental things like mm -hmm. PTSD and stuff like that is you're gonna you're probably gonna go a little harder than most people because you're you're reaching for something you don't know what it is and that's true and that's something you know? I've learned in therapy is that you know I was I was taking all these drugs and I was drinking all the time because I'm missing that in my brain the chemical like composition of my brain is missing right. that's something that I'm seeking out whereas like people that go for like cocaine and crack maybe like you know, could be okay on prescribed Adderall, like in, right, right. you know, if used correctly, if used well. correctly, and yeah. you know, but and I don't know what the fuck I need, but um, <laughs> well, that's, that's my thing. Like hallucinogens work really well in these situations so because you can't do it. You can do it daily, but you got to take three hundred times the amount to do mm -hmm. that. And so to be able to have something to look forward to that is that wild, right? It is just, it can displace that addictive attitude, I feel like. So the last part again? It can displace, it can. What it can, can? The hallucinogens. The hallucinogens, okay. Right. <laughs> well, you can, you can do that daily, right? But after a while, you're going to run out of different types of it and, and, and things of that nature. So you have to have a break, yeah. right, for it to work. And I think that has helped me on my pursuit of all this do stuff. Do you microdose well. or do you trip? No, I trip. See, I um, I start, started microdosing with acid, mm -hmm. and um, that's it's hard to microdose with acid if you don't dose it yourself, you know. So right. I'm just like cutting up tabs, like I'll take this little yeah. bit today, this little bit it's today. It's way better than liquid, yeah. Yeah, and then I started microdosing with shrooms, uh -huh. and I would just buy like an ounce of shrooms, grind them up in a grinder, and capsule them myself so that it's the same amount that I'm taking every every time, and. Um, yeah, that was so beneficial, and I think my problem is whenever I get better, I stop forgetting what made what helped me get yeah, better, okay. like therapy, like being yeah. sober, like yeah. microdosing, and then I stop. But that was, it was so beneficial microdosing. Yeah. Yeah, for my mental, for just like you feel ready for the day, like I could get anything done. And I, That's I, great. I do. If you know people that do microdose versus not tripping, yes. and, and it works well for them. It's just for me. For me, it's 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 like I'm working on something like that image yeah. I was showing you earlier, and I'm getting to a point within two or three days that I don't like that. And so using that, you can break you can break through a lot of shit. Just like with this trauma, is I think if we were to go and sit in our trauma while we were tripping, um, it, it's not going to completely heal it and make it go away but I think, I think it would more. help so much yeah. I've done guided meditations there's this one that I found I may have saved it but um, it was about like approaching your inner child like the and so I did that and like it was just a very I wish I could remember everything but I just remember like seeing my little child self like in a field completely happy and like that was me before right. everything had happened and yeah i don't know Just sitting in that trauma yeah so <laughs> yeah i don't know so Damn. like what do you do to relax um i guess i I try to meditate. I try to center myself. 
Good. I try to ground myself whenever I feel any intense emotion. How do you do that? How do you meditate? I close my eyes and I focus on just my breathing. Like I think of my lungs as like balloons right. and I'll imagine them filling up and closing, filling up and closing. And then if you do that after a while, you'll, I kind of, I hit this point of like where I feel like my whole entire site kind of like centers. Because okay. I feel like there's this constant like static electricity going on right. in my brain. And when I meditate, I feel that like alleviate, I feel that settle and go away. You know? you know the likelihood is that there is like static electricity because <laughs> there is within true. your body. That's yeah. very true. <laughs> That's true. Well, oh man. Okay. Well, I hope you have a good night. Thank you. It was so great to meet you. Yeah, it was and good. I want to do this more. This concludes our interview with Desiree.